What? We were just complaining that for some reason Scott's voice just went a whole lot lower than I'm used to. You sound exactly the same. Yeah, literally, it sounded like Scott went through second puberty. I think he did. That's okay. Everybody has to have a second one. I'm just going to leave that alone. Hello and welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that, you know what, is never ner- it is never early or late. It arrives exactly after it's done uploading, which is after I'm done editing, which is usually after Build Fighters Try right now. I have I have Wednesday morning cartoons to contend with, and I'm sorry that that's a higher priority than you guys. Maybe there's a maybe maybe there's a way we could improve this relationship between the two of us, but right now the the Gundam show is fulfilling me a lot more. Blood Potters is a fun show. It is animated animated plastic crack. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, that is actually Scott. Um he seems to have gotten some new voice recording software that according to him, this is actually his real voice. Now, me, who has talked to him for years over the internet, I don't believe him. I'm convinced he is an alien who has taken the real Scott and shoved him in a closet somewhere. And for some strange reason, Sam is okay with that. So it was like that creepy ending of V, the series? Kind of. That or possibly the alien is actually the bulldog, and Scott is his, you know, mind-controlled slave. So now we're men in black. Yes. The first one, the one that was good. Hey, this is Scott. I'm Jeff. And I am Dan Mason, forgetter there, of names. There we go. And um, so, no business going on right now. Business in the future, perhaps. But until then... Other than it is now 2015. It, hooray! It is also uh, time for Pick of the Week. Jeff, you can go first. No, I'm just going to go Build Fighters Try. I, I know you already talked it up, but I don't care. It's still awesome. This is... This is just as good as the original Build Fighters, except maybe a little bit better because I like the designs more. I, I had some problems with, you know, some of the you know, redesigned Gundams in the last series. It's like, yeah, I can live with it. I haven't had one thing I don't dislike. I really, really hope we get a MG, MG Build Burning Gundam this year because I will buy that. The Build, hey. Fighters, Build Fighters Try is awesome. Yeah, and at least uh, uh, Senkai, uh, you know, Build Knuckle isn't the Deus Ex Machina I win every match. Well, now it's... Um, School of, I can't even say the thing, where he starts spinning around in a circle and somehow turns into a tornado. It's like, you know what? I'm a G-Gundam suit. I can do crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will toss it to the thing with two heads. No to Scott. Scott's pick of the week is a bulldog with a shovel in its mouth. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Scott's pick of the week has a, has a bulldog with a shovel in its mouth. Let's talk about that bulldog. Well, uh, my bulldog uh, thinks it's the, the, the shovel is just the best toy ever. So you go out back to uh, clear off the the uh, patio for him so he doesn't have to be up to his you know up to his junk all the time in snow 
and he decides the best thing to do is to grab the handle or the top of it and just be ridiculous and and fight you for the shovel. <laughs> but no, my actual pick of the week in terms of things you could go out and find is The Star Wars, which is a graphic novel adaptation of the rough draft of Star Wars. Star Wars went through, the original Star Wars went through about seven drafts, all of which were drastically different. So, um, that seeing the original thing, it, it's crazy. There's a lot of proper nouns that are the same, and about seven extra characters. For no reason! Oh, yeah. White Sun? Why was White Sun even there? You, you know why he got cut somewhere along the line. Yeah, because he served no purpose! He did nothing. Yeah, can, I, I've read it, you can tell this was a rough draft. You're like, I can see that where Star Wars is coming out of this, but I can also see why this is a rough draft. Not everything makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> like White Sun, he he doesn't do anything that couldn't have been done by Han Solo, so Han Solo does everything in all the later drafts. Um, I think e even the twins are just sort of tag along, literally baggage at one point. <laughs> so you you see where it's coming from, and it's kind of an interesting thing where they did go back to a lot of the early Macquarie sketches to source to uh, source the look of the book. So you see, like, really old cost the original costume designs for Jedi and uh, the original Millennium Falcon, which was uh, the, the Corvette from the opening scene with a different cockpit and other coolness. All right, so Dan? My pick is going to Legend of Korra. Man, that was one hell of a season finale. I, 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 I find it weird that my joke ship from two years ago is now canon. Yeah, the, well, me and my friends are actually sitting watching it together, and we all paused and literally, line for line, did the scene from uh, the Ember Island players of, wait, wait, did Korosami just happen? You know, um, I'm not really sure. It's kind of vague. <laughs> but it just, it, the whole series kind of like, I don't know, it seemed... Uh, I'll get into more summaries eventually if you want to review it, Scott. Well, that, like, that, that episode will come this year, probably summer, uh, I don't know, late yeah, spring or something. It just, it definitely seemed like since the creators kind of were shackled but also released at the same time by Nickelodeon, they said, you know what, the gloves come off. On-screen deaths everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get this feeling that, you know, the whole Korosami thing was just the creators pretty much on their way out the door going... You know, doing the, the, the middle fingers from, you know, the Simpsons movie from Homer. Woo! Let, let, let's play bongos on the producer's head and then light a giant FFG of Spongebob on the way out. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, so that was Pick of the Week, and now we move on to our main topic, which is double topical because, of course, last week was uh, the, old, the, the old professor's birthday. Uh, we are talking about uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and its movie adaptation. Z, cause z. that that's what Which we do. Maybe shouldn't have been z, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, well, I mean that that's the thing is it's it's Peter Jackson coming back to Middle Earth again, and now he has all the money and a producer going like, you know what? get as much as you can out of it so every single bit of bit of apocrypha from the various short stories that you know chris tolkien put together gets thrown up on screen in all its glory for some reason 
and it's seven hours long for yeah. The Hobbit. And that that's where I, I'm at. It's like, this this is a lot of movie for a bunch of children's stories. And yeah. I wouldn't and I wouldn't object to it if it had been a TV mini series. If this had been, you know, a six week event, two hour premiere, two hour finale, a couple of one hour episodes in the middle, I'd have been happy. And I'm sure there's a way you can cut it so it reads that way. But these movies, man, the the the, the brain will only uh, support what the ass can endure. <laughs> and uh, I, I I really felt it all throughout. I think, except maybe the oh. first one, actually. Well, I didn't have a problem with the first one so much. It was part two that was for me. Oh, even and... part three. Part three was just like, I got action fatigue. I was like, can the eagles show up now? Yeah. I am done. I didn't have a problem with part three at all. I thought part three was a good movie. The problem was, I think, when they said this was going to be one movie, it was like, uh, you might be able to get two out of this. And they said, we're going to do two. I'm like, okay, that's the number. I think that's the good number. Then he said three. I'm like, no. No, yeah, no, like, stop, like stop. When you say stop. one, you're like, okay, I'm going to have to put up with another 10 years of, oh, they cut Bayorn or yeah. something. The same way where people are still upset about Tom Bombadil. But, you know, at, at, at two, I was like, no, that that's all that that's all the bits. Yeah, T- two should get you everything you need out of The Hobbit. And they said three, I'm like... I don't. I don't think we need three. Three's pushing it, <laughs> and three well, pushed it. <laughs> oh yeah, it was kind of weird because like I after the second movie, I decided to reread the novel since I because I hadn't read it since freshman year in high school, and I can see some them adding some stuff because you know the whole chapter in Rivendell is kind of literally really dry. Like they show up, they get help from the elves. Uh, er, not Aaron. Ah, why am I blanking on the elves' name? Uh, Elf, Elf leader. Yeah, Elrond. Uh, Elrond, yeah. Elrond literally is like, oh, hey, what's this? Oh, look, moon runes. Oh, look, this is where you got to go. Okay, bye. You're going to go to there. Yeah, it's like the the as short as the main novel is, it's a little dry at points, which I can appreciate them fluffing those bits up. But, like, when it got to the second, everything flowed well with the first one. I really, really liked the first one. But then you get to the second one, and it's just like... We're getting deep into the politics of Rivertown and Bard's being treated like an uh, an outcast when he's not really. Well, it means Bard has a backstory, which I will applaud them for giving the perhaps the fifth most important character in the story something other than, hey, he pops up 50 pages before the end to shoot a dragon and then wander off again. Yeah. Well, that's what I really liked about three is he in uh, two he just did seem kind of pop up out of nowhere and all you knew is okay he's a he's an important guy uh, the 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 big wigs in in Rivertown uh, don't like him or Lake Town pardon me whoop the friggin do blah 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 he doesn't want the elves to go to the mountain because he's afraid of the dragon blah 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 who gives a crap at the end, at the very beginning of part three he kind of is forced to become a leader. He takes down the dragon, gets everybody to shore. They are, they're all lost, confused. He doesn't want to be the leader, and he rallies the people because he has no other choice. Because, okay, we got to go. Winter's upon us, and if we don't get our shit together, we're all going to die. Yeah. Like Stephen we, we Fry's at the bottom together, of the lake. We don't have anyone Or we're going to starve to death. <laughs> and the, and... But, like, the, some of the stuff, like, I think what kind of took me out of it with two was... The Eighth Doctor and Surian fighting a necromancer, because it yeah, is kind well, of a bit of a detour. 
Well, the the whole detour, detour with Gandalf, it's like, oh, look, yet again, we're watching Gandalf get his ass kicked and him hanging from a cage. He does uh, okay. that a lot. Okay. Well, He's the, maybe the, bad at that being That would have been cool. Angel. That whole thing would have been really cool if we didn't know who the villain was. The problem is everyone knows who the villain is. It's like, who is this guy in the shadows? Who is this guy who's controlling the orcs? What is this thing? They're saying, maybe it's a man. It's a necromancer who's gained power. Bullshit. It's Sauron. We all know it's Sauron. I know it's Sauron. You know it's Sauron. Even and no one who ever even read a page of those books knows. Yeah, it's Sauron. And they build up this whole mystery. Now, who could the leader of the orcs be? We know who the leader of the orcs. Come are. on, move guys. on. <laughs> Just like you're, you're playing this a little too. You're you're a prequel. Your you, your conclusions are foregone. Let's roll. We know it. how the story ends. And for well, the most part, the the other big addition is uh, Tenariel, the elf lady who does stuff. And her romance with Philly. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate this because it's something for another dwarf to do. I don't mind that. In the, I just don't mind that because in the in the original Hobbit, there are no women. Well, none. <laughs> here, here's my question. Because the dwarves, except for two of them, are kind of non-characters, mm. you could have just gender-swapped half the dwarves. Uh, I think the purists would have definitely flipped their shit at that. I don't yeah. even think you have to be overt about it, because they still have beards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you... I mean, I don't think he specifically mentions gender of half of them. Because so that it, one guy who never talks could very well be a woman. And we don't know. Is, uh, she. Yeah, <laughs> like if, if it's like it's Bifer and his brother Bomber. Well, Bifer could be a woman. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Bomberg ain't, but I'm not ruling it out. But anyway. But now, now Bomberg gets a barrel around himself and does his best impersonation of a Xeon amphibious suit. Yeah, well. But uh, I just, you're, you know, Dan, I, now that I think about that, you're exactly right. Anyway, now the whole point in 2 where they're, you know, trying to get to the elf village, they get captured, they escape, the stupid barrel ride, which I knew was coming, well, but they dragged that out like, so And that's long. it, is the barrel ride is just like, hey, they stick them in the barrels and they go, right? That's it. Right. And that yeah, was literally. this ridiculous running fight where, you know, once again, Legolas pops in from Jet Set Radio. <laughs> like, he, he's doing... Like, holy shit, the way he was fighting, I'm like... How did he not win the entire War of the Ring by himself like that? Holy shit. There should seriously have been an Unreal Tournament announcer for that entire fight. It's like, double kill, triple kill, two for one. Right. I'm sure there's a YouTube right. video that does just that. And that's it. Is Legolas pops out of nowhere, again, another addition from the source material, to outdo what he accomplished in Lord of the Rings when, if you were to watch these in chronological order, they haven't earned that yet. Right. Like, they have not earned Legolas Action God yet. I, I having seen him I take down I don't mind that, except whole... he does get his ass whooped by that, you know, what is it, Barg or Balger? I don't remember. The damn orc who's half metal. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in number three. Yeah, that was a that was a kick-ass fight in three. That's why I like three. I know you were saying action overload. I don't care. There were some amazing fights in three. I, I I'm not saying to get there, mind you. Yeah, it takes a it takes a long time to get there. I just well, think... you have you have the great dragon fight, which isn't really a fight as so much as the dragons just tearing ass and shit, and then he gets a black arrow in the chest, and that's the end of that. And then you get you gotta wait and wait a little bit more, wait a little bit more, and then all hell breaks loose, and it's you know action orgasm. <laughs> okay, and I okay, we should back this up to movie one. Let's back it up okay. to movie one. I really liked it. I think a lot of the changes they made were right, and 
when in the first in the opening when you see them you know do the do the blunt the knives and smash the plates song and then do uh do do misty mountain i'm like is this trilogy a musical are they yeah. gonna do every song from the book because if they're all this good i'm on board for that right like if that's how they were gonna fill three movies by doing every single song to that level of quality i'd have been there and then that the dwarves stopped singing which was a little a little sad but even even just sort of building a character arc out of frodo earning a spot there not necessarily oh, that in terms of so much skill see that. <laughs> not, not not necessarily in terms of skill but just sort of finding why he's the, why he came along and why they welcome him in just like hey yeah you should have a home too yeah. i like my house yeah uh, bilbo was like the, the i enjoyed that whole movie i took there was little slow bits in the middle the whole spiel with um, Gollum was kind of lame, but I understood why it needed to be well, done. it's there, and the book it's even longer. There are like seven more riddles, which I are know. worse. But, like, they cut the worst riddles that you can't actually figure out. Right. I, like I said, I, I thought it was a little too long and draggy and one entertaining, but I understood that's very critical information that happens in there. How does he get the ring? I love that, I love that one scene where um, he's about to escape the cave and you see uh, Gollum, and he gets sad, and just for a second, he sheds all that Gollum, and you can see Andy Circus in there, real human being, and he's about to stab him, and he's like, you know what, I can't. <laughs> I was like, yeah, now I understand that line in uh, Lord of the Rings, where he's, and in the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, he says, pity is what sta- stayed Bilbo's hand. Like, yeah, as much as a creepy little bastard and monster Gollum turns out to be, at one time there was a decent human being in there. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was an obvious scene that, hey, this isn't freaking Dragon Age or, or, or Mass Effect where you get the renegade points. It's like, no, it actually affects you as a person. Yeah. Well, uh, there's one scene in the very beginning, I don't know, that really hit me hard. When you see Frodo walk out of the uh, house in Hobbiton, and he, he's off to go see Gandalf at the very beginning of Lord of the Rings. And he you know, just walks out, and he's all happy, and it's like, oh, Frodo. <laughs> That poor bastard. Well, he's it, so happy it, now. And and that's what revisiting The Hobbit kind of is. You get this sort of light little fun thing. Revisiting The Hobbit after Lord of the Rings, it's this light fun thing that you kind of have to sigh at afterwards. Yeah, because you know it's all fun and you know everything's nice and wonderful and fun. Let's go get the or the you know Arkenstone. Yeah, let's go get the Arkenstone. Let's go to the mountain. Let's get their home back. And 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 the reality, you know, this is all downhill. Things don't really start turning around until the two towers. Well, I think I like about the one thing I do like about the trilogy is you get to see a bit more of Thorn. Like he, in, in the book, he's just like, "Oh, this is mine. We're taking this back." You know, the dragon stole it from us. And you know, but, he does go crazy at the end, but it's it's like cartoon crazy. It it it's not the same sort of like they they do draw out a very nice parallel to Gollum and what goes on with the ring later but Thorin is just this guy and he's like yeah I'm 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 king of the dwarves well, but when he finally he's gets not in all that different has, from you know, any of the other dwarves he's standing on that river of, that river of gold that he tried to kill the dragon with and he, I think he I like that scene where he just kind of goes inside his head and he realizes yeah this is really eating me alive I need to get the fuck out of here <laughs> Yeah, and I, I give them a lot for 
showing it from Thorne's perspective because this whole thing could have just been Bilbo and Gandalf's story. And the t- the time they took to see it, tell it from Thorne's point of view, I applaud them on. And, and I give props to uh, not Bill. I can't think of his first name. Peter Armitage, the actor who played him. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Peter Armitage. He, I think it was his last name. I'm not sure. I'm but he he was able to pull off a character, and that's I like that considering you know all those promo shots that they showed at Comic Con a year before the movies came out of where he looked kind of like a Klingon in dwarven plate mail. Well, well especially because everybody else has got a, like I think the hardest job that was given out was to Martin Freeman because you have to play a character somebody's already played. But you got to show that character early on, based off not a lot. Well, um, Martin Freeman is kind of magically genius actor because this is technically the third time he's done this role of being the everyman surrounded by madness. And you look at his performance here, and Bilbo Baggins is not Arthur Dent, is not John Watts, um, James Watson. Like he has managed to do this same shtick differently three times and do it well three times i don't know i thought i found a lot of comparisons between at least john watson and uh, bilbo bilbo tells himself i just want this nice peaceful life i just want to you know stay here read my books you know tend my garden i don't want to go on some crazy adventure that's the exact same character he's playing in sherlock is i don't want this crazy life i want a nice calm life well in reality in the back of his head he's like no i want to go on the crazy Batshit and crazy adventures with violence and madness and craziness. Well, you, even Bilbo, in... when everyone leaves, he's like, "Holy shit, I'm missing my chance!" Grabs his shit and out he goes. Well, you, even in um, even in Hitchhikers, it's you know I never could get the hang of Thursdays. But you you look at it, it's his dynamic with Thorin and with Ford is very different than his dynamic with uh, or sorry, his dynamic with Thorin and Gandalf is very different than his dynamic with uh with Sherlock, or with Ford Prefect. And obviously he's had really good actors to bounce off each of those times. But it's it, he still can basically do the same thing three different ways. I'll agree, there's difference in them, but I can see, you know, certain patterns that all three characters follow, which, but hell, all actors do that. Like, I mean, it, it, it's not Bruce Willis, is what I'm saying, is, you know what, they're, they're, you can tell yeah, that... Yeah, Bruce Willis in every movie he's in, he's the same guy. Like, you... Like, every character he plays is kind of just John McClane. And here I'm seeing that he's trying to be different. I understand. He could have been I, I see more parallels, and I do see differences. Yeah, he, he could have again, been he, Arthur he, Dent He is really times. good at playing the everyman, and every one of these characters is sort of the everyman, or every hobbit. Well, and that's it. And, you know, I'm, I mean, points to, and getting into casting, obviously, Surian comes back and is great. Even in the new scene, the uh, new material of him just sort of hanging out with uh, the doctor and, uh, <laughs> you know, getting thrown around by the necromancer some more. Yeah. And, uh, uh, obviously, Benedict Cumberbatch is a goddamn dragon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the one thing. I thought he was just casted for the star power. And then you see him do the. My. My talons are spears, my teeth are swords, my scales are shields, and you're like, holy shit, myself. Guy's a motherfucking dragon. Yeah, it's like, that's not been a good cumberbatch, that's a fucking dragon. 
It's like, I'm sorry, if Benedict Cumberbatch walked in this room and said those words, I don't care what he looks like. He can be wearing a clown suit. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm screwed. <laughs> and that he has even enough fun to do smog on the Colbert Report. Yeah, that was fun. I saw that. I'm sure when I watch him play you know, Doctor Strange in a couple of years, I'll be like, holy crap, it's a dragon. <laughs> I want to see him battle a dragon in that movie now just to really fuck with your head. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I mean, he... He, in the second movie, he got so much time, and... That's the only reason I don't say the movie, the, the second movie was bad. From the minute Bilbo enters the mountain, from that point on, the movie is very good. Now, we got to get a long way to get there. Uh, I will call bullshit on some of the things that happened with the the group of, 14, or the group of 13 versus the, versus the dragon, though. Hey, I can smell a hobbit that's cloaked by a magic ring, but I can't smell six dwarves... Four feet under my nose. I don't know. It, it's it's messed up. It's movie logic. I mean, I'm going to yeah. roll with it because you get the whole sequence of them chasing each other around. and. Well, you remember, he, as far as, you know, hobbits, com- no, hobbits uh, dwarves compared to dragon, dragons looking at them like cockroaches. If they scatter all over the place, you can't move quick enough to get them all. But it was his sense of smell that gave away Frodo and, or, sorry, Bilbo and... You get that with freaking smog. It's like, hey, wait a minute. There's something that smells fresh here. Oh, look. Dwarves right underneath me, chomp. It just it kind of took me out of the movie with that. Eh. So he's not the brightest dragon on Earth. I think we found that out in the third movie. He's like, hey, look. There's a guy pointing an arrow at me. That's a big arrow. It's also black. Well, it's the same thing that led to Smog's demise in the book is he thought that his armor was impenetrable, that there was no weaknesses. He thought like, he... The fact that he forgot that, oh, look, it, right above my heart, I had some scales fall off. He, he does give that an era of, I'm invincible. I can do whatever the hell I want, and there's nothing anyone on this planet can do about it. This is my goal now, and I am not giving up one single coin. And then, of course, I love that scene in the third movie where um, Dwarf King, whose name escapes me for some strange reason, Thorin, Thorin says... He says that exact same line, just like the dragon, and you can hear, you know, an echo of Benedict Cumberbatch saying the same thing. It's like, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that 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 like there are some good choices. There's really good editing, and uh, just I general... wouldn't even go that far. There's there's some scenes that you can cut out of that movie. Well, I mean, not necessarily editing in terms of for content, but editing for pacing or uh, or just the sh- the shot is really good. I think oh, well, the shot's always good in this. The cinematography. I mean, there's a line said about Lord of the Rings that I think applies to The Hobbit too. You can press pause on your Blu-ray player at any point in the, these movies and have a 50-50 shot of having something that could be framed on a wall. Yeah. And, uh, again, production design is great. I think, um, I mean, it's sort of unfortunate that uh, they, they did shoot show these in 48 frames a second just because now you can see that what they're working that you know it's just latex armor now like it's really good latex work but it's like oh that's latex yeah. armor S- 60 frames per second does make you say hey that sword's rubber <laughs> that that that's a really impressive looking rubber that's an impressive looking prop you got there yeah like well, it, it was really weird for me because i've seen the first two in in a standard theater and then i saw the third one in a, an imax with the with the 47 frames a second yeah. and that whole attack with smog looked like a video game cutscene. Right. Well, it's almost all CG, and that yeah. that'll do it's, that. The only thing that's real in that is the actors. 
and and I mean some of it they 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 got better each time just do with color correction and even even maybe dialing down the sharpness of the image to fake it but it's still like yeah no uh every, every time the scene changed especially if there was a lighting shift like in the third movie transitioning from interiors to exteriors was like boom oh yeah this is a movie at 48 frames a second and you'd have to settle back into it again yeah it, t- it took you out of the moment too many times and i'm but sure this is something i'll, I'll cut them some slack on that cuz they're to. one of the first big movies to try that so i'm sure two or three movies down the line even heck by the time i didn't notice that anywhere near as much in the third movie than i did the first the first you know knocked you upside the head every time it did it the third movie i barely even noticed it was there yeah also the the weird color correcting cuz like Nicholas's eyes were like weren't they like green in the the uh, trilogy or in the uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, I I want to say Orlando Bloom is one of those guys who is kind of grayish, and depending on how you light it, the eyes will change color. Well, like especially in the second movie, in the night shots, it's like his eyes are like glowing blue, like he sipped the spice of arrakis or something. <laughs> it just kind of took me out of it. It's like, what? Wait, whoa! Uh, another thing. That's another thing. That took me out of it was legless. Is he looks so much older than he does in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, no, it's like, Orlando Bloom, time has uh, has gotten to you a bit. Uh, he's, Orlando Bloom looked really, really, looked like a teenager in damn Lord of the Rings. Now, yeah, maturity has caught up with him. <laughs> he went yeah. through puberty, or at least he looks like he does now. Oh, it looks like he's aged, what, 12 years? So. Yeah, about yeah, well, 12 years or so. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, he went off, became a pirate, and he came back, and now he's an elf again. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, obviously, everyone who came back from the first trilogy is still great. Uh, points to the dwarves for being dwarves. Just, but, can we just bow down and say Ian McKellen is just one of the greatest actors of all time? Oh, n- without a doubt. I do want to give a shout-out to Billy Connolly for for wandering in from someone's Warhammer fantasy game. <laughs> <laughs> He was a uh, Dwalin or whatever the, the the cousin from the Iron Hills, right? Yeah, he he's um oh god. He has that a... was that really was awesome. Dane, he rolls up and yeah, like Dane is that? Iron and then as soon as he says says a word, I'm like, holy shit, it's him. <laughs> Could he, he you rides oh, in on a... please kindly get? And he rides in on a war pig. Yes, I said war pig. Well, well war, the war, fact pigs... That war pigs exist are awesome. Well, well war my, pigs my are my... real. Oh god. War, war pigs are real, but normally it's just you cover a pig in grease and light them on fire and send them into an enemy artillery camp. They're terrible things. No, that's called bacon. <laughs> uh, so I think it was hilarious because me and my friends, we were just constantly making riffs to either our current or past D&D games while we're watching this. You know, Doran or whatever shows up and it's like, my friend's like, damn it, now I want to make a dwarf chevalier who rides on a war pig. <laughs> Exactly. Well, the, the only thing that kind of got me for a loop was when, for some unknown reason, the friggin' sandworms from Dune shown up. Uh, those are actually in the books, apparently. They mentioned those in the books. Really? Where the fuck were those in Lord of the Rings? They weren't in The Hobbit, but I guess they... Well, I mean, it, Jackson was pulling as much from the Samarillion and the other side stories as he could for this one. Like, he, he just know, grabbed still, just everything. Like, Holy crap, why didn't Sauron call those things in? <laughs> Yeah. Those would be a bitch to deal with in a battle. And I don't care what eagles show up. They're screwed. Yeah, I was half expecting somebody in that town to scream, We have one sign! <laughs> and uh, obviously, Lee Pace's battle moose is my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that moose just, you know, ramming through everybody. 
he picks up like eight guys and Lee just cuts his head cuts the heads off all of them. Then the, the moose dies. I'm like, oh Man, like I was I, I was really pulling for that moose. <laughs> <laughs> was that a moose or was that an elk? It, I think it was a moose. Eh, the prettiest damn moose I've ever seen. I'm saying you ever seen a moose? Yeah. Moose they're... are ugly as sin. No, he is Canadian. Yeah, well. Moose. But one, uh, one moose, twenty moose, thirty moose. Every moose every movie has at least at one point a scene where you can literally just pull like a video game announcer like combo kill, yeah. double kill, triple kill, you know? I, yeah, and I I, I kinda looked at everyone as a kind of everyone's immortal in this movie. I'm like you can't touch them. They're they're never gonna die. They're gonna win. This. And then you get to the third movie and it's like, eh, no, <laughs> people are dying. <laughs> it's not quite last Harry Potter movie level of death, but <laughs> some of your fan favorites are going out. Like I, I just remember like because I read read the book and I remember that you know Philly and Kelly bite it and like going in and seeing people who are kind of like doing the typical shipping thing is like, oh, they're gonna make such a happy and weird couple. It's like. Oh, you, if you only knew. <laughs> like you really soul. didn't read the book. Okay, apparently uh, it is an elk. Okay. It okay, yeah. Elk. I was going to say, that was the prettiest moose ever. So it's an elk with a big rack. Yeah. That didn't sound right. Let me rephrase. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that is exactly. Having, <laughs> having hung out with a lot of people in, in the north, the northern wastes of Canada, that's exactly how they talk about elk. <laughs> okay, fine. But I've eaten elk. I've never eaten moose. So anyway. Both are delicious. Really? Yeah. I suppose they probably would taste the same. I've had elk. Elk tastes good. Well, moose is different, but it's still tasty. Either way, don't hit it with your car. You're fucked. <laughs> Unless you have the ability to then take it all the way home and, you know, make sausages. Yeah, well. It's delicious. <laughs> anyway, I'm hungry. Where were we? Right. Giant rider into the elk. Okay. Yeah. Now, when we get to we get to the third movie... Like, I'm pretty happy with everything. The best way I can describe the difference in Hobbit and Lord of the Rings is when they announced we're going to have an extended edition of Lord of the Rings box set, I'm like, I will buy that immediately. I want as much time as you can give me. When I watched the extended edition of Lord of the Rings, I mean, the Fellowship of the Ring, I'm like, eh, they added some extra stuff, but you didn't need it. They added some extra stuff to the Two Towers. Eh, it was nice, but you really didn't need it. They added some extra stuff to the Return of the King. You needed every last second of that Well, that, that's, that's where Faramir went. He just... Faramir and Peregrine, you know, they're, they're my guys in the books. <laughs> and they just disappeared in the theatrical cut of the second and third movie. So having, have, knowing they still shot that, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I got it. But if there's a longer version of The Hobbit, which I doubt. There is. I, I, I think when, that, that's When, when they come out with, I'm sure they're going to come out the exact same thing, probably sometime this coming Christmas, they're going to come out with the Hobbit box set edition, and they're going to call it There and Back Again. The extended edition, which gets you all three movies with the extended edition of the big fancy box. And quite frankly, I'm not sure I want it. <laughs> I, I, it's going to be hard for me to say. You know what? When, when the extended cuts of Lord of the Rings came out, when all three of them were out, I sat down with two of my friends. Mm. We made pizzas. We, 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 made, we were well stocked on beverages. And we just watched the whole thing. You marathoned the whole thing? I can't even do that. This was high school. <laughs> this was high school on Christmas break, so it was like we showed up at ten, we left at ten, and that was it. And and you know what, we we felt we did it, and we said, you know what, that was a thing we did. It was kind of worth it. We appreciate the ending of the movie, all the of Return of the King, all the more. But even if I had infinite free time and a lot of pizza around, I'm not sure I could do a back to back to back screening of these movies. Yeah, that. 
I think I will give the Hobbit a little bit of credit in that when we first saw Fellowship of the Ring, we're like, I'm not sure this is going to be good because we didn't know what was coming. We were thinking this could be good. This could be bad. We watched Fellowship. Holy crap. That was great. We saw Two Towers. Oh, my God. That was amazing. And then we saw Return of the King. We're like, holy crap. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It got better and better and better. And then we got to The Hobbit. It's like, okay, we get to see it one more time. No. But well, you couldn't the actually Hobbit match is... that original level. Hobbit, and, you know, the Hobbit's such, too different. We came different. with such high expectations for The Hobbit. When we came into the Fellowship, we didn't know what the hell we were going to see. Well, the thing is, with, with the, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, there's a bit of escalation at the end of The Fellowship. It's a bunch of dudes fighting in a forest. In Two Towers, you have... A fortress, a small fort versus one army, and in in Return of the King you have dozens of armies on each side, and there was a sense of escalation. I get the feeling with the with the Hobbit trilogy, Jackson was trying to recreate that, and it just it, it worked, but the you Hobbit didn't get any is, escalation from one to two. The the Hobbit is just such a small story. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah, sure. There, there's, there is the Battle of Five Armies at the end, but the Battle of Five Armies in the book is six pages. Yeah, because Bilbo gets knocked out. And, but I understand why they did that. It's like, hey, in the book, uh, basically they just skipped the Battle of Five Armies and said, okay, here's how it ended. Because <laughs> basically that, that was what kind of mattered for that story, and I think just having this ridiculous drawn out sequence of guys kicking the crap out of orcs. Is is it's it's too much for very little. I think. I don't have any problem with it. I I think they were. I think they tried to build up. You know, the first two movies to get to that point, and it didn't work. That's why I said I think this should have been a two movie. And I think if you actually got Peter Jackson to sit down and have a lie detector on, he said, if you had to do it over again, would just keep it two? He'd probably say yes. Well, I th- now he'll probably never say that, but if he. If you sat him down on a lie detector, I think he'd say yes. I, I think, you know, uh, he could. I would certainly like to see him sit down and sort of describe what the two-movie cut would have looked like, especially yeah. if it comes with chap- DVD chapter skip prompts. Yeah. <laughs> so for the... Here's cut one and here's cut two if you want to see the... Uh, actually, let's let's do this. They're going to come out with a box set, and they're going to say, okay, here's all three movies with three different cuts. The original two-movie cut, the theatrical cut, and the extended edition cut. Oh, come on. This isn't that. I know, I know. If they did that, though, I'd be like, you know what? I want to see what that two-movie system would have been like. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it, it would have been interesting to see it because they could have pulled the whole thing that Hollywood's gotten into of now of, oh, hey, we're ending this epic book series. Let's make the last book a part one and part two. No matter how much they don't need it. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Catching Fire. Anyway. Oh. So, so <laughs> not worth it ever. Hunger Games. Anyway. Uh, that, Harry that's Potter, an episode I didn't mind this that. year. We'll get to it. <laughs> Harry Potter, I didn't mind. The, the Hunger Games is just dumb. Yeah. But I, that's going to be... And hell, they're doing it with Avengers in a couple of years. Like, hey, we, well, we got to milk this for all we can. The thing is, with I think what they're doing with Avengers is they're going to mash together both the Infinity War or the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity War. Like I, I think, think I think because <laughs> Avengers is not a direct adaptation of anything, they can tell just a two part story. Yeah. Well, that like, and they're gonna they're gonna they pick and write... choose different things. 
That's the nice thing about the Marvel Universe is like we have all this backlog. We have a lot we of don't Thanos. Have to follow story. any of it, but we can take the best parts of each each piece and put it in here. We we've got a lot of Thanos stories. We can we can turn it into a two part movie yeah. without a lot of without t- too much fuss. And I think sp- splitting splitting a novel into two parts does and does not work. I think I think there are better. I I legitimately I think. In more cases than not, it's the first book you need to split, not the last one. It's a case by case basis most of the time. Like, like you gotta you gotta take it one one series at a time, and we'll we'll see how this works out. I don't think I don't think the audience we're gonna have sufficient audience fatigue to really to really see it break. But I think we'll see directors and editors smart enough about how they cut it. I know this is a far from an inexact comparison, but this just did kind of occur to me. Okay, this is a really inexact comparison, but bear with me here. If Lord of the Rings is like Dragon Ball Z, The Hobbit is like Dragon Ball. It's a lot more kiddie. It's not as action-oriented. No, it's actually that's actually a pretty fair analogy, I think. Because when we we here in the at least in the states got to see DBZ first, and they are Dragon Ball, and people are like, "This isn't Dragon Ball Z." Like no, it's not. This is what came before. It, it's we Dragon want to see Ball. More DBZ. It, it, it's the eight-year-old friendly, sh- friendly adventure of the week show that you know yeah. we got in Canada, and it was so good. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, when when, when Dragon Ball, when uh, Lord of the Rings came out, we got you know it was so much fun. It was action-oriented. It was crazy. And they started with the Hobbit, and like, no, we want more Lord of the Rings. Well, this is see, it's all the same characters. No, it's not. <laughs> Where's the where's the epic battle? It's coming. It's coming. Just 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 wait. Just wait. <laughs> I I don't know if it was so much that. I mean, I think I think a lot of it was just people asking, "How can you do three movies out of this?" Yeah, and them not really having a a, a satisfying answer. Like, because ultimately, I think there there is. I I think we all kind of agreed that there is a two movie cut of this story that works. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you could do it in one. But I think two was a magic number, and he just stretched it a little bit too far. I don't know if it was him stretching it or someone, you know, in the back of his ears, like, "Hey, if you make a third movie, we can make a crap ton more money." I I, I think it's just New Line saying, "Hey, you're gonna do, you're you're gonna find a way to shoot an extra ninety minutes of footage for this." Yeah, we let's might as well just make a third sc- movie out of it. Let, let's put it on screens and get thirty percent more ticket sales out of it. Yeah, if we don't get make it a trilogy, how can we do our super uber box set two years down the line? Yeah, well, well, his original plan when he first said he's, he's like, okay, I'm gonna do the Hobbit. It'll be a one movie, and I'm like, okay, I think you can. You'll have to cut a bunch, and people won't be happy that you cut stuff, but okay. And he said, okay, we're gonna make it two. I'm like, okay, I think there's enough there to do two. And then when he was right done filming two, he said, you know, we're gonna make a third. I'm like, ah, eh. <laughs> and I and ah uh, turned out to be right. And and that and that's where we're at is you know what I really enjoyed it except maybe the part where it's nine hours long. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. Did the Hobbit suck? No. At any part, was there any movie that I said was just terrible? No. But it wasn't no Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings will you know to the day I die be in like the top three movie trilogies of I've ever seen of anything. Well, I mean, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings was the story of the millennium. Yeah. I mean, remember... 
Remember like, Return of the King? They went to the Oscars. They won everything. If they were nominated in it, they won. <laughs> and and that's it. It's like literally the Lord of the Rings was called the novel not of the 20th century, and in some cases, the novel of the second millennium. Yeah. And The Hobbit is just this fun little thing he put together for his kids beforehand. Right. And trying to put those on the same pedestals doesn't quite work. Yeah. So it it's kind of like, you know, that this is you, you're you're doing the big epic. You're 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 chasing a big epic with a Saturday morning cartoon and expecting to see the same style and it doesn't work. It it, it just yeah. it does it does not click. The same well, The way. Hobbit wasn't the great, you know, thing that everyone remembers about him. The Hobbit was the thing that he created that got him the idea to do Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that was the spark that lit the fire. And you can't look at the spark as the same as the fire. <laughs> and I hope and pray to every single divinity ever that no one gives him money to do the Silmarillion. Well, I don't think he'll ever get to do that because New the Line holds... New the Tolkien estate the... has said they will not get yeah. the rights for the Samarillion. Yeah, New Line holds the rights to The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and the family cannot do anything about that, at least for another, you know, I think 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. But they still hold the right to that one. And they said, and not everyone in that family is a huge fan of Peter Jackson. That surprises me a little bit. Well, you know, I think that, that there's a legitimate complaint about some of the changes he made, and we can talk about that in an episode about Lord of the Rings. But eh, I Lord mean, of the Rings, I mean, Hobbit was you you stretched it out too much and you had to fill in gaps. Lord of the Rings, if you did a Lord of the Rings movie faithful to the book, it would be three days long. <laughs> you would need an eighteen part miniseries, right? And it I mean, wouldn't have. And it, it would, would not be, be possible to get through it in one sitting because you'd fall asleep. <laughs> well, that and you wouldn't quite have a lot of cinematic conventions. That that are just inherent to screenplays represented, and it would feel awkward on the screen. Right. Which is what Peter Jackson tried to do, and I think sometimes he forced it, and sometimes he didn't. But and and or sometimes it did work, and uh, well, that's what it comes down to. Is I think you know what The Hobbit is just like, eh, um, I liked it. Hmm. Uh, it. Nothing bad about it, but nothing bad. I mean, it wasn't like, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, and this is it. I think the telling thing is. Um, Sam was, had not seen the second movie when I, um, when we saw the third and I'm like, well, there was some stuff with a dragon and that's all you missed. Yeah. And well, she, and she's read the book. So she, she knew, she knew the story and I'm, I mean, I'm sad she didn't get to see Benedict Cumberbatch be a goddamn dragon, but we'll catch that eventually, right? Mm, It's out on Blu-ray. No big deal. Yeah. You could, if you missed two, did you miss some important stuff? Yeah. Mission critical, I mean, story critical stuff, maybe a little bit. But I can see someone watching one and three and getting the gist of the movie. As long as someone filled them in about, okay, they got to the mountain, uh, Bilbo went into the treasure room, and the dragon tried to eat him, but he got out. Also, Stephen Fry is a dick. This is true. <laughs> oh, and uh, Stephen Colbert for like three seconds, for no apparent reason. Hey, they, they sneak, everyone sneaks cameos somewhere. Yeah, well... Well, I, I would criticize him, but hey, if I was down there and Stephen Jackson, hey, you want to be in the Lord of the Rings for three seconds? I'm like, shh, whatever the hell you want me to do, work, whatever, let's go. <laughs> I mean, there's a famous story about when they were filming uh, the second movie, Two Towers, they they went to people and said, anyone who's got a horse, would you like to be a writer of Rohan? And they're like, eh, sure, what do we get paid? Nothing, but you get to keep your uniforms. Done. <laughs> 
Well, and that and that said, even even just having um the flight of the Concords guys be elves. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like, hey, let's do oh, it because we oh, can. Oh, I can't think of his name all of a sudden, but he was the Goblin King in the first movie. He plays Dame Edna, <laughs> which is quite horrifying when you think about it. Damn it, I can't place his name. But Scott has the internet. Yeah. yeah well. The Great Goblin is played by Barry Humphreys. Barry Humphreys. As soon as I heard that voice, I knew who that was. I'm like, he is the worst and yes, and yet the most perfect choice to play the Goblin King. Like Because that sounds so perfect, and now I have a mental image as Damon, as the Goblin King, and that scares the hell out of me. I've, you're in my home. What are you going to do about it? Slash, oh, let's about do it. Mm. What are you going to do, wizard? That'll do it. <laughs> I've, I've got this sword that kills goblins. <laughs> That's what I'll do with it. Yeah, yeah that'll do it. Well, I love that scene where they're, they rode the, the uh, scaffolding all the way down to the bottom of the valley, and like, ah, that could have been worse. Why do you say that? Why does anyone say that? That could have been worse. Might as well just be let something big and heavy land on us. Ooh, a dead giant goblin. There we go. And that's and this is what I think the Hobbit needed was more of that comedy. And you get to battle the five armies, and it's just like, oh, this this is for reals. This is serious. And it does the the tone shift doesn't quite get there. Yeah, there's there's no real gradual shift that there needs to be. It's kind of hokey and kind of funny in the first movie. Second movie, very serious. Third movie, even more serious. Well, second movie, you get trolls and orcs just massacring civilians on screen. Worse than, I think, in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. Well, orcs are mean and nasty. What do you want? There you go. And and so that's what we have to say about The Hobbit. I still think... I don't, I don't know. I've, I don't have a special place in my heart for the book. I think, um, I think I'm think i always going to be a guy who likes the BBC radio version of all of these stories best, which makes me weird, I guess. There, there is no love for that song, um, sung by Leonard Nimoy, Bilbo Baggins. Well, I mean, obviously, that, that that's just, you know, a pop culture t- touchstone that will uh, last all time. I mean, especially mm. the hippie elf chicks in the forest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is it. Is it's I like it, but uh, I I can take or leave it. Yeah, I mean, can't really others say more than just eh to it. And there we go. All was said and done. I've seen a hell of a lot worse movies than The Hobbit, but I've seen better movies than it too, namely Lord of the Rings, which I hope we get to do Sean soon. (laughs) Even though I've kind of rambled on about my love for it here, I want to go even farther. That's fine. I, mean, I think I just need to sit down and rewatch uh, the Blu-rays. I did it over Christmas. I have a running tradition. Since I'm working so much during Christmas, I get to come home. I get to work on a model kit while I watch the blue, the extended edition Blu-rays on my big screen. There we go. Very fine times. by me. Usually with a beer involved. Oh, well, that's not because of Lord of the Rings. That's because I just got off work. That's just that's just what you do after work. It's a lot. Yeah. And I work in retail around Christmas, so, you know. Yeah, there we must go. drown out the music of the Jingle Bells. Oh, the sleigh bells. No, I don't mind that as much as, you know, the people. <laughs> I, I think the sleigh bells make people worse. Yeah. There's something in that sound that just turns people into ravening, ravening jerk faces. But there we go. Uh, we'll catch you next time when we're talking about a thing. Yay, thing. Whee! 
I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike International 3.0 license. Visit sbopodcast.com for more shows, contact information, and show notes. Thank you.